Thanks for joining us for this latest episode of the County Sales Radio Hour. I'm your host, Kenny Rohr, and on today's broadcast, I will be bringing you classic bluegrass by some of the great pioneers of this wonderful music. Remember that most of what you hear today is available through countysales.com or at the County Sales Store in downtown Floyd, Virginia. You can visit us online or at the store, and you will find the world's best and largest selection of bluegrass and old-time music CDs, box sets, and books related to bluegrass and old-time music. Uh, We open today's show with a true classic in bluegrass, a a bluegrass tune that won a Grammy, in fact, uh, for Earl Scruggs. We're talking about Foggy Mountain Breakdown, a song that he recorded for Mercury Records out in Cincinnati, Ohio, back on December the 11th, 1949. And I suspect that he never dreamed there when he made that record in 1949 that one day that would bring him one of the most coveted prizes in music a Grammy. We'll move on now to the father of bluegrass himself, Bill Monroe. Back in the fall of 1939, he and his band, the Bluegrass Boys, were playing out of a radio station in Greenville, South Carolina. And of course, bluegrass musicians would play over radio stations until the area was generally kind of worked over uh, for bluegrass shows. And then they would move on to newer and greener pastures. And he decided to give the Grand Ole Opry a try. So he drove out to Nashville. And by the way, his brother, Charlie Monroe, was planning to come to Nashville to audition for the Grand Ole Opry himself. Uh, He was, I believe, in Wheeling, West Virginia at the time. But anyway, Bill beat him to it. Uh, Bill arrived in Nashville with his band. He auditioned for the solemn old judge, uh, George D. Hay. And this is one of the tunes that they auditioned with. They auditioned with Foggy Mountain Top. But this tune as well, Blue Yodel Number 8, Jimmy Rogers called it. Bill Monroe called it Mule Skinner Blues. And this is the live broadcast from November 25th, 1939, when Bill Monroe stepped up to the microphone with guitar, not mandolin in hand. Uh, his mandolin player for this session was Cleo Davis, whose nephew, David Davis, has a wonderful bluegrass playing today, in fact. And this was the very first tune ever to earn an encore on the Grand Ole Opry. The Grand Ole Opry had been on since the mid-1920s. No one had ever had to do an encore before, but this tune brought down the house, and Bill and the band had to play it again. So Bill Monroe's going to kick it off in 1939 with the Mule Skinner Blues. And now we introduce our guest act for this evening on the Grand Ole Opry. Bill Monroe and his bluegrass boys from up in dear old Kentucky. And the number's a hot one, the Mule Skinner Blues. Let her go, Bill. Good morning, Captain. Good morning, Pop my initials on a mule in the old Saturday night to tell my little thing. You're late. 
Bring that bucket around If you don't like it, jump Set the water bucket down Now will you love me, little darling, when I'm in some other land, and you know I can't be with you, how will you be loving another man, will you be loving another man, will you be loving another man, when I return will you be waiting, how will you Now don't be crying on my shoulder And telling me that love is grand and before I'm out of sight, yeah, then be loving another man. Will you be loving another man? Will you be loving another man? When I return, will you be waiting? How will you be loving another man? Now if I find this to be true, dear, I want you to please understand. When I return, don't say you're sorry, just keep on loving another man. Will you be loving another man? Will you be loving another man? When I return, will you be waiting? How will you? Will you be loving another man? Will you be loving another man? When I return, will you be waiting? How will you be loving another man? We invited over everybody's good friend, and here he is, Bill Monroe and his bluegrass boy. Bill, where you been keeping yourself, son? Oh, Cobras, we've been making personal appearances throughout the Southland. All over the South? Right. Well, I'll tell you, buddy, we're sure glad to have you here with us. And I think it's just about high time that you and the boys cut loose on a real good song. So you step front and center and tell the folks which one it'll be. Thank you, thank you. We have a number out on deck of record now entitled Blue Moon of Kentucky. <laughs>
news, live Grand Ole Opry appearances by Bill Monroe for bookends in that uh, trio of tunes. We started off with Bill Monroe from November 25th, 1939, the very first appearance he ever made on the Grand Ole Opry, doing the Mule Skinner Blues. It brought on an encore, as I mentioned earlier. And then we followed that with he and Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs from September 17th, 1946, doing Will You Be Loving Another Man and think that World War II had been over about a year by that time. So that's a song that might have appealed to some soldiers as they were returning from overseas uh, when they might ask their sweethearts, when I return, uh, will you be loving another man? And they would find out when they got home. But that session from 1946 and one in 1947 are considered by many to be the big bang of bluegrass. That's when that's the defining moment of bluegrass. That band that uh, Bill Monroe had with Les Flatt and Earl Scruggs was the definitive band, the one that set the gold standard for bands that would come after. Then we ended that set on January 15, 1955, again live at the Grand Ole Opry with Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys doing a song that he had written called Blue Moon of Kentucky. The previous summer there in 1954, Elvis Presley was doing a session for Sun Records, and uh, they needed another tune to go on the other side of a song called That'll Be All Right, Mama. And one of Elvis Presley's band members, the bass player named Bill Black, broke into Blue Moon of Kentucky singing it in a falsetto style, kind of... uh, doing his imitation of Bill Monroe, and someone said, hey, why don't we do that one? So they did, Elvis Presley did Blue Moon of Kentucky, and you could tell Elvis really didn't know the song very well because he doesn't get all the lyrics correct in his version of it. And someone asked Bill how he felt about that, and Bill was not bothered by it all because he knew he would get the royalties uh, from that song, and he hoped Elvis Presley would record more of his songs. But anyway, we ended that at 1955. Now we'll move on to the fall of 1948. In uh, early part of 1948, late February, early March of 48, Les Flat and Earl Scruggs had left Bill Monroe's band. Uh, they were tired of the grueling traveling schedule. Les Flat said that sometimes they went for three days without even taking their shoes off because they were in the car all the time, and he and Earl were doing most of the driving for Bill, and he said they just really got tired of the grueling schedule, and they also weren't especially happy with the pay that they were receiving, so they decided to start their own band, and one of the members of the band uh, proposed that they use the title of the old uh, Carter family song, Foggy Mountaintop, as the name of their band, so they called themselves Lest Flat and Earl Scruggs and the Foggy Mountain Boys, and they started out in Danville, Virginia, playing over WDVA uh, radio, and their one of their singers was Jim Eanes. Uh, Jim Eanes, who was a local singer, uh, stayed with them for a couple of weeks, so they moved on to Hickory. He moved with them, but then they were going to move on to Bristol, and Jim Eanes decided to turn around and come back home and uh, continue playing over local radio, although he did later join Bill Monroe's band briefly. But we'll start out with the very first session that Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs did in November 1948, recorded down in Knoxville at the Knoxville radio station. And they're joined by Mighty Mac Wiseman, the wonderful tenor singing you hear on this. Some folks would tell you this is probably one of the best bluegrass songs ever recorded. And a lot of that would have to do with uh, Mac Wiseman's great tenor voice in it. Here's Les Flat and Earl Scruggs, and we'll meet again, sweetheart. The time has come to say goodbye. I'm asking you to please don't cry. The time to
that we'll meet again someday. Someday we'll meet again, sweetheart. We'll meet and never more to part. Someday we'll meet again, sweetheart. Don't cry, so please don't break my heart. Thank you. 
Opened that session with Les Flat and Earl Scruggs from their very first Mercury recordings in the fall of 1948. And there they were, along with Mac Wiseman, doing We'll Meet Again, Sweetheart. We followed that with a 1955 recording by Flatten Scruggs with Josh Graves on Dobro doing Blue Ridge Cabin Home. And then we heard a tune that Earl wrote about an area that he grew up in in Cleveland County, North Carolina, down on the South Carolina border near Shelby, an area called Flint Hill. And that was called the Flint Hill Special. And when young budding banjo players who were hoping to play Scruggs-style banjo first heard that tune on a record, they couldn't figure out how in the world Earl was doing that switching of keys in that. And only when they saw Earl play in person did they realize he had actually invented a special Scruggs tuners that he could flip back and forth to change the keys on that. And it drove a lot of young banjo players nuts trying to figure out how to do that before they saw what he was actually doing. Well, we often think of bluegrass music as Appalachian mountain music, but the truth is neither Bill Monroe nor Lester Flatt or Earl Scruggs all came from the Appalachian Mountains. None of them were born in the Appalachian Mountains. But the Stanley brothers were, Carter and Ralph Stanley. They formed their band right after World War II. They had begun recording for Richer Tone Records in Johnson City, Tennessee. And then in 1949, they signed with the Columbia Labels. And they decided that they would not simply be doing songs that were covers of Bill Monroe hits, though they had done some of that uh, for uh, Richer Tone Records. They decided they'd write their own material. And so Carter sat down, and in about a year's time, he wrote 60 songs. And this is one of them, recorded in November 1949, one called The Lonesome River. I sit here alone on the banks of the river. The lonesome wind blows the water old high. I hear a voice calling out there in the darkness. I sit here alone. Never part and be happy. 
happy forever But a new love she's found She's gone from me now The water old hound River at midnight I sit on the shore To grieve and to cry leaving Trammell Station, Atlanta, Georgia, all aboard. Well, you ought to be in uptown, seen train come down, hear the whistle blow Thought I heard that train, how lonesome she did blow. She blowed like she'd never blown no
I'm 900 miles from my home If my baby says so I'll never work no more I'll sidetrack this train and go home that set with the Stanley Brothers, Ralph and Carter Stanley, from a Columbia recording back in 1949, uh, doing a song that Carter and Ralph wrote called The Lonesome River. I might add that when they signed with the Columbia label, Bill Monroe was so angry that Columbia signed the Stanley Brothers to their label that he quit recording for Columbia Records and switched over to Decca and started recording with them. Uh, He did not like the Stanley Brothers' music. He considered them to be mere copycats of his music and was annoyed that they were doing songs that he had written or that he had recorded. And that's one reason the Stanley Brothers started writing their own material. But Bill eventually got over that. In fact, Carter Stanley ended up uh, playing in Bill Monroe's band for a while there in the early 1950s. Uh, but uh, Bill was so upset, as I said, he ended up leaving Columbia and joining DECA. Then we moved to a recording in the early 1960s, recorded up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, in the early 1960s for Ray Davis's Wango label. Uh, Ray Davis had a car lot up there, and he also had a studio, recording studio, and he had the Stanley Brothers come up and do some recordings in his studio, and these records were mail-order records. They were sold only over the radio. The result is the original albums are very hard to find. They were not sold in retail stores. I think I've only found one of them in my years of looking for albums and 78s. I've only found one of the Wango records. I don't know how many there are, actually, but uh, I may have the complete set with one i'm not sure but anyway that was the stanley brothers with that fabulous cross-picking guitar playing by george shuffler a native of burke county north carolina over in the valdez uh, area and they of course were doing one of the more popular carter family songs will you miss me when i'm gone then we uh, ended that set on March 24th, 1956 in radio station WCYB in Bristol uh, when the Stanley Brothers were asked to come in and do some recordings there at the station. They came about midnight. Now, these are guys who have probably been working all day. They may have been playing at a schoolhouse, at a farm auction. Who knows where they were that day. But they came in around midnight and started recording, and they were told to record whatever they wanted to record, whatever they felt like recording. And the result was uh, this session uh, called An Evening Long Ago. This was issued on the Columbia label, and it features these uh, unrehearsed recordings by the Stanley Brothers. And there they were doing Train 45, which was a tune that uh, Grayson and Winter had recorded. Uh, J.E. and Wade Maynard had also recorded it, but I suspect the Stanley Brothers versions goes back to the Grayson and Winter recording, but a really nice version of Train 45. You're listening to the County Sales Radio Hour, and we're so glad that you're listening to us today. We'll move along now to Don Reno and Red Smiley, two greats in bluegrass, who held forth over Channel 7 out of Roanoke, Virginia, for many years. 
And this is a tune they recorded in 1957 that was written by Buck Owens. We don't really associate Buck Owens with bluegrass very much, but Reno and Smiley had done a tour with Buck Owens in Canada and probably had learned this song from him while they were on that tour in Canada. But here's Don Reno and Red Smiley and one of their biggest hits, Sweethearts in Heaven. If I should go first and leave you behind To face life alone, just bear this in mind I'd be awaiting if heaven's my fate To take you by the hand just inside the pearly Almost 
hear them cry as they kiss their boy goodbye. Well, I wonder how the old folks are at home. King of Bluegrass himself, uh, Jimmy Martin. I've often said that if a group of aliens came down on a UFO and landed in my backyard and said to me in Martian, what is bluegrass? I would hand them a Jimmy Martin CD and say, listen to this. This is bluegrass. You don't know my mind from 1960 with a great uh, banjo picking of J.D. Crow there. J.D. Crow grew up in central Kentucky. And as a youngster, he used to get his dad to take him over to Versailles, Kentucky, which is over on the west side of Lexington, Kentucky, to the radio station to watch Lester and Earl perform uh, when they were playing uh, live over, over the radio station there in Versailles. And J.D. Crow was a young kid learning to play the banjo said he would ask Earl show me how you do that run show me how you do that lick and Earl said 
I can't show you because I don't know how I do it myself. He apparently made it up as he went along. And so he didn't uh, he didn't get to uh, learn the licks directly from Earl in that case, but he sure did watch him. Then before that, we heard uh, Mac Wiseman, that great, uh, my wife calls him the Irish tenor of bluegrass, uh, doing again one of the old songs popularized by the Carter family, though they did not write it. Uh, he sings it by the original title, which is I Wonder How the Old Folks Are at Home. Uh, the Carter family called it Homestead on the Farm. The song was written about 1910, 1911, 1912. I ran across a copy of the sheet music to that years ago, but it's really an old uh, Ten Pan Alley song, but Mac does his usual superb version of it. And then we opened with Don Reno and Red Smiley doing Sweethearts in Heaven. And, of course, Bill had wanted to hire, Bill Monroe had wanted to hire Don Reno as his banjo player there near the end of World War II, but Don Reno was uh, subject to the draft. I think he was classified 1A and was about to go in the military, and so he had to turn to somebody else, and he eventually picked up Earl Scruggs. And had Reno not been eligible for the draft, uh, we might be talking about Reno-style banjo picking instead of Earl Scruggs-style banjo picking because Reno would become the star of the uh, Bill Monroe Band there in the mid and late 1940s. But anyway, we started off there with a 1957 recording, A Sweethearts in Heaven. We'll go to July 1st, 1956, and listen to the Osmond Brothers and Red Allen. They're going to do an old tune that was originally recorded by a Kentucky banjo player and singer by the name of Cousin Emmy. She recorded this on a Decca record sometime in the late 40s, I guess it was, or early 50s. And uh, she was a phenomenal banjo player and inter- just an all-round entertainer, quite an entertainer, Cousin Emmy was. But here's uh, the Osmond Brothers and Red Allen to do the Cousin Emmy song, Ruby, Are You Mad at Your Man? Thank you. 
burned in the shadow of a cotton mill smokestack down in Alabama's bottom land. Where my grandpappy broke his back, pull out on a cotton sack to raise my pa to be a cotton mill man. I've got lots of memories of government commodities when all our meat came in a can. While the boss man on the hill bought his steak and ate his fill and called upon to clean his grill, I cut me a man. Lord, don't let my son grow up to be a sweaty cotton mill man. Up in the gloom of a cotton mill weave room With weavers glue and calluses all over my hands I didn't have a honeymoon, I couldn't leave my cotton loom I swore my son would never be a cotton mill man I watched my woman cry when her baby daughter died I couldn't make her understand While the doctor never came The lack of money was to blame And I cursed the day that I became A cotton mill man Lord, don't let my son grow up To be a sweaty cotton mill man The company taught us all the rules On how to work with spinning spools So the boss's son could drive a big black sedan The company owned the houses And the company owned the grammar school It's hard to be an educated cotton mill man They figure you don't need to learn Anything but how to earn The money that you pay upon demand To the general store they own Or else they take away your home And give it to some other homeless cotton mill man Lord, don't let my son grow up to be a sweaty cotton mill man. Lord, don't let my son grow up to be a sweaty cotton mill man. And I could stand the pain 
I'd be something more than just your old standby. We started off that set with the Osborne Brothers and Red Allen from 1956 doing Ruby, Are You Mad at Your Man? That's really words put to an old banjo instrumental called Reuben's Train. If you just played it as an instrumental, it'd really be called Reuben's Train. But with words to it, it was Ruby, Are You Mad? Then we moved along to Jim and Jesse, uh, Virginians from out near Coburn, uh, Virginia, and they were doing a tune they recorded back in 1964 originally called Cotton Mill Man. Not too many songs in bluegrass music about cotton mills, a lot about coal mining and some about farming, but not, not many about uh, cotton mills, but there's one of them. And because that song was talking about cotton mills in Alabama, uh, I was told that some of the radio stations in Alabama uh, refused to play that tune uh, over the radio back in the mid-1960s. I think the mill companies may have put pressure on them not to play that song because it wasn't very complimentary uh, to the cotton mill system that existed at that time. We followed that with uh, Jim Eanes, a great bluegrass crooner he was, Robert Homer Eanes he was. He went by the name Jim Eanes in his professional career. He was from Mountain Valley, Virginia, just east of Martinsville. His dad, Homer Eanes, was a fine old-time banjo player, ran a little country store uh, just outside of Mountain Valley, or, or there in Mountain Valley, I guess I should say. And Jim Eanes was playing over the radio in Danville, Virginia, when Les Flat and Earl Scruggs came there in uh, the winter of 1948. And uh, he joined their band. He was one of the original Foggy Mountain Boys, as I mentioned earlier on another show. He went with them to Hickory, North Carolina. But when they decided to move on to Bristol, he decided to come back to Danville. And then he was recruited by Bill Monroe to replace Lester Flat who had, of course, uh, left to form his band with Earl Scruggs. And for a short time, Jim Eanes uh, was the Lester Flatt-style singer, the crooner singer with Bill Monroe. But uh, Bill discovered, and Jim did too, that he could not hit those high tenor notes that went along with Bill's uh, uh, singing. And so uh, Jim dropped out of the band. He said he had to stand on his tippy toes to try to hit those high notes uh, with Bill Monroe, and he just couldn't do it. So he came back to Danville, and he formed a band uh, made up of Alan Shelton, who was a wonderful uh, banjo player and a guy named Arnold Terry and uh, some other guys. And that recording was done in 1956 down at WPTF in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Jim Eanes' dad ran a dance hall in Martinsville and playing for lots of dances, you played lots of two-step tunes and you played sock rhythm very often on the guitar so the guitar could be heard over the shuffling of the feet on the floor. So that's why you got that kind of sock rhythm, two-step kind of tempo uh, to that particular song, Your Old Standby, one of the great ones uh, from Jim Eanes. Well, when Don Reno was uh, just a chap, a nine-year-old boy, in fact, back in the 1930s, his dad uh, told him that he had a surprise for him, and he took uh, young Don Reno into the bedroom, and there on Don's bed was a brand-new double-alt-18 Martin guitar. Well, little Donnie Reno, nine years old, was so taken aback by this prize guitar on his bed that he fell backwards. He basically passed out, fainted, and fell backwards into the mantelpiece, and it almost knocked him out. Fortunately, his head was harder than the mantelpiece, and he survived without any long-term injury. But he, we know him as a banjo player, but he was a fantastic flat-picking guitar player. And in 1972... He went into the King Studios and recorded a series of guitar instrumentals using that very same double-alt-18 guitar that his dad had presented to him when he was only nine years old. Well, those tunes went unreleased till after Don Reno's death, and in 1998, long after they were, were recorded, uh, Don Reno's son decided to hunt those tunes up and see if King uh, would not release them, and they did. And what we're going to close out today's edition of uh, the County Sales Radio Hour is with one of those tunes recorded on that guitar back in 1972 by Don Reno. And he's going to do a tune that was originally recorded by a wonderful fiddler on the Grand Ole Opry by the name of Fiddlin' Arthur Smith. Fiddlin' Arthur Smith was the the star fiddler on the Grand Ole Opry there in the mid and late 1930s. And he had some trouble uh, meeting his dates, being there on time because of some problems that he had. And he was let go from the Grand Ole Opry, and they had to find somebody else to replace Fiddlin' Arthur Smith. So they held an audition, and guess who won the spot? 
Roy Acuff. And if Finland Arthur Smith had been able to kind of control his taste, he would have probably stayed on the opera, and we might not have ever heard of Roy Acuff. But uh, Finland Arthur Smith did some great tunes, and this was one that he wrote, and we're going to listen to Don Reno flat picket to close out today's edition of the County Sales Radio Hour, and hope you'll join us for the next one. Here's a little bit of the Peacock Rag. Mm-hmm. 